Hi guys, you're very welcome along to Heartlines. This is episode 61. Yeah, we're flying along. My name is Shane and I'm back again for the right guest. And I think we've got a lovely guest in just right waiting in the wings. He is a mind health coach and he his name is Paul Campbell. Welcome to the show, Paul. How are you doing, Shane? Thank you for having me on. No worries. Now, mind health coach. Let's get let's deconstruct that now. Like, what is that all about? I'm curious. Well, I I trained in a lot of different disciplines over the past uh, 15 years. So it's kind of accumulated into its own thing because I started off, uh, believe it or not, training in hypnotherapy and hypnosis. So working with deeper levels of the mind. And as I was going along, um, that's, that can be kind of very structured as well. you know. So as I was going along, I started to learn more deeper stuff with persuasion and influence and deeper, working with deeper levels of the mind. So really kind of cool stuff that you're mm. able to hack into the mind. Trouble labeling what I was doing. And um, labels can be limitations. And I found that even uh, the word therapy, hypnotherapy or therapy in itself was a kind of a taboo word, even at the time. It, it, it's not as bad now because people are more open to change. Then I started to kind of think even even clinic was a bad word. You know, I started we started to kind of change what, what we were doing. So there was no one specific uh, um, tech therapy that we were doing. We were working directly with the mind and helping people to change how they think and feel like really quickly using all different disciplines. So we didn't come up with the term mind coach. Mind coach has always been there. So it's using a different uh, different approaches depending on what the person needs in that moment. Now, so mind coaching, the thing is like, I mean, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say most of the time I have a positive kind of attitude, but like I do get into kind of cycles of kind of, you know, negativity because you know your limitations. With mind coaching, you can kind of push the kind of your mind a bit further and kind of make you feel like you are that positive person when you're not. Yeah, it's, this is really interesting because... Um, if you look at like therapy in general, therapy can is more like you're 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 finding out what's wrong, and sometimes that can become part of the problem when you're always find looking for solutions for a problem that probably doesn't exist anymore. Mm. It's just like how, how a person feels, so they keep checking in how they're feeling all the time, and this recursive loop starts to happen when you're thinking about how you're feeling. You start to feel how you're thinking, which gets you to check in more, and the more you keep looking for reasons why you're feeling that way the more you're actually qualifying that you've got an issue and it can become quite addictive because the mind is always looking for like a solution and the solution become, can become the problem. So what I do is I help a person get out of that, that them bad habits of attention. And I do it. I help them do it first. So it's like, so in, in most cases you're kind of told, here's what you should do. Go home and po- focus on the positive things. And, you know, and you get all these techniques that you can do, you can do to try and keep yourself in a good place. And they're better than nothing. But um, what I found was uh, that you can actually have a kind of a peaceful mind like a child. If you stop looking for solutions to the problem, Mm. you know, you still have to kind of figure out if you've got a problem, how to resolve it. But um, when when a person is feeling bad, they're usually kind of throwing logs on the fire and they're they're kind of figuring out what's wrong and uh, why they feel the way they feel. And as soon as you get into that low mood, it's self-sustaining so it starts to kind of feed on itself and then you can bounce out of it then if your attention is shifted somewhere else and then time can pass by and something else will happen it might be a feeling first or it might be a thought first and then you go back into the kind of loop again and people have this kind of scattered attention so it's always being hijacked by something whether it's a feeling or something outside that's gone wrong and I train people's minds to have a, a good quality of attention so that 
if you're in control of your attention, you're in control of your quality of life. If, if, if people can do that automatically where they can just have a good day, but not know how they had it, that's unconscious. That's where yeah. I work. Yeah. You know, so it, you can, you can turn somebody erratic and scattered uh, kind of moods into something that's more stable by hacking into the, into them. I don't even like using that word hacking into mind, but you know, changing the unconscious uh, processing so that that the solution becomes as automatic as the problem was yeah that's it i mean it is it is like it is breaking those habits i mean i have i've done counseling and i know you're saying it's it's not like counseling because you know you think you have a, you have a problem and you do have a problem because i guess you're, a lot of problems are in your mind and your head and you can really build them up into into something more than they are but your mind can be a dangerous place you know people get like yeah, being there. yeah of course yeah you know Again, it, it of course you you have that experience, uh, life experience. I, I know I read a bit of your, your bio and stuff, and you know as loss and, and, and in life and 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 challenges, and, and it's about bouncing back from those things. But sometimes people are just kind of getting too stuck in a rut, you know, and they just can't get out of that headspace. Maybe they're in that environment of people are not really building them up to be better mm-hmm. people. They just want to take them down, or no no one's giving them positivity every day. They're kind of going. You're not. You're never going to amount to anything. So just accept your lot and just stay in that kind of cycle of, of rumination, sort of thing. You know. Yeah, the environment can be toxic, and um, I wanted to develop a life for myself because I'm I'm a, I'm obsessed with figuring figuring out how this the mind works, and um, I wanted to fi- I wanted to figure out how to get a life for myself that I didn't have to go on holidays to be on a vacation. Mm. You know, I wanted to be able to have uh, despite the circumstances how do i change how i feel inside despite what's happening outside because there is people that are in more challenging situations than us and they can have it you can you meet people like that they no matter what's going on they kind of have a positive outlook in life yeah. and and you know you can train somebody's mind to do that it's not like they're born like that they're probably lucky enough to have people around them that taught them how to think more positively and yeah, how to reframe things so and neurolinguistic programming is kind of like about being able to reframe how you look at things and change the the meaning that you have inside of you defines what what the thing means outside so if me and you looked at the same thing outside the same situation we could have two completely different opinions and two completely different emotional experiences about the same thing that's outside i help people to change how the how the meaning inside we change the truth so that the truth aligns with your with your purpose in life so you can have a good quality of life despite what's happening outside and get to be right mm. and happy instead of right and un- right and unhappy you know the outside world is always going to try and hijack your attention and influence how you feel inside it's up to you um to get control over that attention so it can be hijacked for a moment you know you still have to be safe you still have to be able to feel uncomfortable long enough to change your direction but how how long you feel uncomfortable is always going to be happening inside you so it, it something can trigger off to feel bad but that feeling can only technically last for uh, 90 seconds is the maximum peak of a feeling an emotion or even a craving and after that it drops off unless somebody's throwing another log on the fire like the variable the variable what if why is this happening to me what does it mean why are they why are they talking about me like that how come i never get anything in life how come everybody else they these are logs that mm. we throw in the fire and you can get so caught up in it that you don't know that you don't know so it becomes this kind of self-sustaining thing and something that happened yesterday i uh, uh, you could be feeling about bad about it for three days later or even trying to sleep at night and still thinking about something that happened the other day if i change the meaning of that inside somebody so that there's no feeling attached to it the mind won't entertain it because it can't get, you know, it's not getting feedback. So you, you don't worry about other people's problems because you're not getting an emotional feedback. So if you have a problem yourself, then if there's an emotional attachment to it, 
inside of you, then you're more likely to entertain it and keep thinking about it and trying to figure it out. You can actually do techniques where you can get the mind to let go of the feeling that's attached to it. And without the feeling, there's no meaning. It's just, they're just stories, you know, and the mind will kind of let it pass and your attention can move somewhere more important. Then. And uh, the thing about this is that when I'm doing this with people, they start, I make it my business to make them to help them to figure out there's patterns to what I do so that they can do it when they finish with me. I don't want to have to keep doing it all of the time. Then they're going to be relying on me to hijack their attention and move it somewhere else. But if I'm showing them what I'm doing while I'm doing it, then what happens is they start to figure out there's patterns to what I'm doing. There's patterns to their thinking and there's patterns to their behavior. If you figure out the patterns, you can interrupt them. But most people are just on autopilot and even therapy is kind of in that system. I'm not mocking therapy. Therapy is great because there, it's it's helping people to kind of do something. If a person is caught up in in that kind of cycle of uh, needing something outside of them to stir up a feeling inside, that's not good. If I if I keep doing that to people and they have to keep coming back to me and I have to keep moving their attention, it would be better for me if, if, if for for my success if I help them to do it themselves so that they can come back and say, you know what, it's amazing. I don't know why I don't feel bad. And the other day, something bad happened and I just let it go. And I put my attention somewhere else more important. And I can't believe that I did that myself. That makes me feel better because I know now that I'm doing it properly. But if you have to keep coming back to me, there's something missing out of that for me. There always was. I didn't I didn't feel like I wanted to have to keep going somewhere else. It's very embarrassing for, for people to have to do this, you know, to have to go somewhere for help. And after a while, if you keep going for help and you, you're not getting help that you really think you need, what happens is you start to get learned helplessness and you just give up. You give in and it's like, what's the point? I don't really, I've tried. I know what they're going to tell me. They're going to tell me to just do this and this and this. And 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 it takes the, the, uh, the goodness out of it if a person is trying and they're not really getting exactly where they want. They're getting some sort of help out of it, but it's not, it's not exactly what they want. And I'm coming from experience here, like uh, of being able to understand what it's like to be caught in that revolving door where you're going, especially because I'm working with kids that are in, in, in these institutions that are, you know, they're, they're revolving doors. They're not getting, they're coming out worse. And they only spend one session with me. I do an, an average of four sessions with people. But after the first session that they do with me, they feel completely different. And they feel like they've let something go. They don't know what it is. They have a they have perspective on life. They're not attached to anything. And what they get out of me in one session, they, they wouldn't get out of these places in years. Because yeah. they're always symptom, di- symptom diagnosed Medicaid, symptom diagnosed Medicaid. And they feel like that they've got a disability and they start to label them. And, and the label now has become the problem because it's, it's, uh, it's an identity. And it's what's happened to society at the moment is that the inability to label their feelings properly and the obsession with trying to get rid of them. And they're going to these places and they're just being diagnosed and they come out of there feeling like there's something wrong with them. Whereas I take all of that away and... Um, I get them kind of a, a, a lot of distance on the stuff where they feel like they're not attached to any idea or uh, label or meaning or anything that's connected in with the anxiety, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what, that's kind of where, where people are at the moment. They give up. They do. I know, I know what it's like. It's like, uh, just get fed up trying to, trying to figure it out. It's horrible. It's, it, there's a lot of people out there that are just really struggling and it's really difficult to, to, to kind of hear the stories about people that are like getting really bad you know especially when you hear the worst case scenario and it's not necessary things could could be different if they just were willing to let go of the you know symptom diagnosed medicate and they're willing to open their mind up a little bit more to be able to be wrong about what they do 
I'm willing to be wrong long enough to learn something new, but a lot of these people aren't willing to be wrong about what they do. They, they, they're, they're, they're terrified of being wrong. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Like, it's about reframing. Like, when I was doing counseling, you were doing CBT and all the reframing. But are you, when you're teaching, you know, your clients, is it more visual learning? Do you put people in kind of scenarios and kind of say, you know, think, think about what that person was thinking? Because what I tend to do whenever, I used to always, I still do it a little bit when I'm on the bus, for example, and I kind of think about other people around and i'm trying to i should keep, keep folks on me not worry about everyone else because you can really get in your own head and really get stressed out yeah about people because you can't control them you can control you but you're thinking you can control everybody you know it's like you need to be kind of clued into everyone where that it's very stressful you know what i mean yeah it's your mind can run away and do all sorts of bizarre yeah. stuff and when 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 you're doing that um what happens is you get caught up inside your attention moves from outside to inside and you lose track of time so the fact that you're actually talking to yourself is uh, is means that your attention is inside. If your attention was just outside, okay, and you had your attention, and your attention is just like a frame, whatever you put it on, that's the, as much information as you see. Everything else is deleted. So if you have your attention outside focused on something that's not working, it's going to stir up feelings inside because you're giving it a meaning. Um, and then your attention goes inside. And now you're thinking about what you're thinking about and trying to think about what you shouldn't be thinking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. It's this horrible kind of loop that you get caught in and uh what if, if you were just to be able to keep your attention outside if i could keep it simple for people getting your attention to kind of stay outside and even uh, it's it's difficult to kind of explain it simply but um if, if you can stay present you always hear this thing if you can stay present and people would ask me like how do you stay present and i would challenge that i would kind of think how how would you how are you pretending that you're not it's not something that you should be trying to do, but when people are thinking about being present, they're not present, they're, they're inside. And this is where all of the problems are, occur is that people's bad habits of attention and uh, getting caught up thinking about what you should be doing. But if you really said nothing and you just stayed silent, it's difficult because we were always taught how to think about stuff, like our, especially in Ireland, People are addicted to thinking now instead of drinking. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I've gotten to a really good place. I'm talking to talk and I'm walking the walk. There was a time that I was I was helping people, but I, I, I had my own faults as well, mm. you know, at the same time. And I was being hypocritical about it as well. You know, I'm helping people, but I'm not actually feeling good myself. It wasn't my intention. My intention was I wanted to help people and, and get it to a good place. I've got I've got here. I'm yeah. I'm in a good place. I figured I figured it out. It's just because of the experience of being able to work with people and work on myself and have really incredible techniques that I use to be able to get people to move. So if, if I move, let's say if you were thinking about something outside and it was making you feel bad, I can bring it through a session um, where I can get you to think about that and feel bad. So you need to feel bad to light it up. Okay. Then I change how you feel. And while you're feeling different, I get you to think about the thing that bothered you and it updates. So mm. now that thing won't hijack your attention anymore. You know, it'll it'll uh, it'll feel different when you think about it the second time around. So that's con that, that's using techniques like conversational hypnosis and persuasion techniques and mind integration techniques to change how a person feels. But if you wanted to stabilize your own uh, nervous system, the best advice that I could give you would be kind of think about your attention like a frame and your, your whatever you put it on is going to store up feelings. So if you put it on something outside that feels bad and that's going to be your quality of life if you keep doing that. If you move it somewhere else onto something that makes you feel good, you're going to get to be right and happy. The other way, thinking about the, the bad stuff is or looking at the bad things that's going on that's outside that's bad. You get to be right and miserable. And if you expand your awareness and you expand the frame, you'll realize that it's all there.
like when you're when you get old what happens to people when they get old is they look back on life and they see all of life subjectively they don't see either this or that you know they're kind of see the bigger picture and they call it the good old days sometimes yeah if you can get perspective on your life now you'll realize that every choice that's available is there it just matters it just matters where wherever your attention is your attend your 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 quality of life is defined by what you pay attention to how often you pay attention to it and the meaning that you give it inside about what's happening outside. None, whatever meaning that you're giving it is not the truth. It's just assumptions and are words that you string together. And it's a story that stirs up feelings. And the truth is not a fixed point. You know, it's, it's everybody's telling their own truth. And if you put your attention on something and you give it a story, you start to stir up feelings. You're, you're caught up in it and you don't know that, you, that you're caught up in it. Keeping your attention outside as much as possible and, and saying as little as possible, letting everything pass without judgment, you know, and not giving, trying your best not to give anything a meaning. And as soon as you do that, your nervous system is always eavesdropping on your thinking. So your body starts to kind of just calm down and it stabilizes and um, you get a kind of sense of peace in your body but as soon as you put a story on something and you start to talk to yourself about what's happening outside that's when the feelings stir up inside if you think about that when somebody goes to therapy what does the therapist normally do when a person goes in um well they obviously they can't help you because you're you're kind of in your own head you need to be present you need yeah. to yeah and they, they, normally what they say is tell me what's wrong yeah the problem yeah so yeah where, how do you feel about that yeah where have you, you know? gone yeah 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 tell me about your mother <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you go back you know, to the start maybe, yeah, yeah maybe you were maybe she didn't love you she probably did love you but she didn't show it and you know that's yeah. probably why your relationships are suffering because you can't get that quality of love that you should have got off your mother off all mm. these other people and it's like oh my god you're right and yeah. now it gets qualified it gets a meaning and it gets a story and the person goes off and ruins all their relationships because they believe that the story and if you change the story it's not true anyway it's just words that we use to store feelings if you change the story you're going to change the meaning and if you change the meaning you change the feeling and whether the story is true or not it doesn't matter it's the quality of life that you're going to have depending on what stories you tell yourself inside because they're just i don't even like looking at them as memories anymore or beliefs they're just internal representations. They're not the past, you know. They're little algorithms inside the unconscious mind and they're running and they have all of the components in it that they need to stir up the, the problem. And if you go in and you pull that problem out and you operate on it and you put new information into that idea, it gets updated and it goes back into the long-term memory and it can never be the same again. So I see problems like they're, 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 they're stools with legs on them. And if you remove one of the legs from the stool, it can never work the same way again. And some people just have uh, more stills than other people, you know, <laughs> and it's just about it, every problem is open up to interpretation. And if you if you manipulate it in any way, it can never be the same again. But the problem with this, the current situation at the moment is they're being updated with reasons why. And people are getting caught in the white trap. They're, they're looking for solutions and now the solution becomes the problem. And, you know, they're, they're talking more about why it's there and who did it and who was involved and what's it got to do with now and how I'm going to be feeling next year about this. If this And the problem gets updated with empathy. It gets updated with compassion and it gets updated with understanding. And that's fine. But if you had another choice, you would you would take another the other choice. But most people don't have another choice. It's just the way it is around here. And that's the way things are done. And you just get on with it. So it's like... Um, there's, complete, there's, there's different ways of, of resolving problems. But these stories that we have in our mind um, about the past and everything that we believe in, if you just train someone to stay fully present and available, uh, available in the moment, 
and they have that quality of experience for a few days, the past gets defaulted completely. So none of it matters now if you really, really understand where the present moment is and you're and you, and you experiencing it and you can stay in it. Then if you ask somebody about the past, they'll tell you about it like it's a story, but they won't feel any emotion because they know it's not now. But most people go into their head all the time and think about why they're feeling like this. And then they start anticipating the future and they get caught in this backwards and forwards in time. You know, and their attention, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to kind of keep it, uh, your awareness. I'd like to keep, you know, talking about, yeah, so uh, the, your quality of attention is going to define your quality of life. So if you keep it outside and you say less, looking for solutions to something that happened that's not happening anymore can become the problem. And that seems to be what happened to me. I was spending so much time trying to figure out how to stay in, in the present and stay stable that my whole life was consumed with like techniques mm. and that's not the way it's supposed to be. You're, like if you look at an old man, uh, I always remember seeing an old farmer down the country and he's, he's leaning over the gate and we were talking to him and he didn't have a TV. He didn't have anything. He didn't even know what Dublin was like. This was like 15 years ago. He hadn't been to Dublin since he was a kid. And yeah. I said, do you ever worry about anything? And he goes, no. And it, because he doesn't know how to, he hadn't been taught how to like plan and, you know, anticipate things and rehearse the past. He was just in that moment and he was just saying, and I said, what are you saying to yourself? And he says, nothing, I'm just looking. And we can't do that in most cases because it's very unfamiliar. We have to question everything and figure everything out, you know? So it's not to say that you have to live like that farmer. You can just know that there's a difference between what he's doing and what other people are doing and decide which one you want to do. But in order to do that, you have to kind of have these choices that are presented to you. And I give people more choices of how to feel better, which means less reasons to feel bad. So the more choices you have of how to feel better, the less excuses you, you have to feel bad. When you are saying about, okay, you can get into kind of a cycle of just using all these self-help books and all that, but you can use certain bits of these things. You can't like live your life by, you know, a book I'm reading now, like, you know, but you can use elements of that. Like, I know people in my life who are very content about who they are, but they're, it's not that no, not like motivated by anything. They just don't worry about things, but I'm a worrisome person. I feel you are as well. And that's why we get into this over the, over the years, we get into this state of kind of stress about stress, about stress, about nothing. You know what I mean? But, or it can be something, it can be, it can be yeah. something personal in your life, but other people I know haven't got a worry because they don't want to, they don't want to question everything. I do. I'm a very curious person. I want to know, I want to know. And that can yeah, be, too. that can be a curse as well because you want to know everything and you want to, ch to challenge everything. You want behavior. I have that as well. And that's why in counseling, we talk about that because I'm always judging people. Why? I don't know. Maybe I'm a, maybe I'm just, I, I'm judging myself. I'm reflecting on these people, you know what I mean? Um, there's, there's many different ways that you can kind of approach all of these problems. And as you, as you say, there's some people that feel fine. Some people that have a good quality of life, but some people that worry about nothing. Yeah. And it's very hard to kind of put this stuff into a box and come up with some sort of answer, like, you know, simple solution. Mm. Um, we, we, what you're talking about there is it's very easy to resolve that. And um, it's there's, there's different things that you can... So if I was if I was working with you on this, right, I could yeah. I'm I'm doing stuff at a deeper level. So I'd be able to kind of put you into a conversational trance and I'd be able to see exactly what you're doing when you're thinking about what other people are doing. And I would be able to change how you feel about that. And before you know it, it would be gone. And you wouldn't be able to explain it to anybody. So how do I explain it to somebody that's never been through it? When you go through the experience, you'll understand it, understand how it works because in order to really know something, you have to have the experience of it. And everybody is unique and everybody's different. And just 
you know, looking for solutions to things um, can just give you a more complicated way of talking about your problem. And it's a distraction as well at the same time. So you're not actually caught up in a problem. You feel like you're doing something because you're actually looking for a solution and it's entertainment at some level and it works and it's brilliant. And that's what I did. And that's, I was fine when I was doing that. There was no, mm. there was no problems. I'm, I'm genuinely curious all the time. Now, here's the, here's the difference of how you can accelerate it. And um, being that way is, is good, the way, you're, the way you were talking about it there. It's not necessarily, you know, finding out like what the answers are. It's how, how are you feeling while you're looking? You know, in, when I'm working on anything, I always change how I feel first. And then I, and then I go research because the quality of the, uh, the, the experience that you're having while you're doing the research and while you're looking at stuff is going to influence what you're doing. And then everything becomes more interesting and that feeling starts to attach onto what you're doing. So you start to feel good about it. You don't get frustrated about what you're what you're researching and uh, what you're thinking about. I help people to change how they feel first and then decide what you want to do. Change how you feel first and then make plans. You know, it's not about never making plans again. It's about how are you feeling when you are making plans. And if you can change how you feel first inside and then put that energy into what you're doing, what you're going to get out the other end is going to be much better quality. I'm bringing it back to the basic simple principles yeah. of yeah, not yeah. waiting for something outside of you to store of feelings. I had to find out this the hard way and it can be confusing sometimes, but it's giving you something to think about. If you can, if, if, if people are looking for the solution outside in the book, right? And you read the book and the book has all of these obvious answers in it and all these obvious techniques that should technically work. But what a lot of people find is, why am I reading this book but it doesn't seem to be working for me the way I want it to work? Because the, the book is just a description of somebody else's experience. Don't mistake the description for the experience. In order to really know something, you have to feel it. You have to experience it. So as the old saying goes, you can't microwave experience. So a lot of people are very well read on stuff, but still can't, you know, find a solution for their own problems, even though they know all of the logical stuff. The the books and the videos, and I used to watch a lot of videos of self-help techniques, but I still wasn't exactly where I wanted to be. Now I was moving in the right direction. If you don't do anything, nothing changes, you know. Yeah. It all still counts. Like so everything that I've done before still counts because my I, I I'm feeling better now inside myself. And if I do these techniques, they work really fast for me because I know how they work. So if you change how you feel inside really simply like you did when you were a kid, then what you do with that energy is going to create a different a different experience. But you can't get it from you can't get an experience from a book. You can get a description from a book. And a lot of people are, are overloading themselves with a lot of information, but not having any of wisdom behind it, you know. Whereas I can I can what I'm doing with people is I bring I hack into their mind, change the feeling, and then get back out. Once you put the feeling mm. in, it becomes a belief. You know, a belief needs to have a feeling attached to it. You can believe something is true. If you really feel it, you'll believe it. If you don't feel it, you might not believe it. So a lot of people could say certain things like, I love myself, but you could nearly tell that they don't really mean it when they say it because it comes across very inconsistent with their, their body language comes across very inconsistent with what they're saying. If, if, if you say to somebody that they're a good person and that they're beautiful, you'll see their face will kind of tell you if they believe it or not. They might be saying something, but if they don't feel it, they won't believe it. And if you can figure out how to kind of get into the feeling and update the feeling and change how you feel inside, it becomes a belief then. Is you know? So you can tell yourself yeah. every day, I'm good enough, I'm good enough, I'm good yeah. enough, but... I know people that have those sticky notes all over the place, you know, I'm good enough, I'm good enough. And mm -hmm. if you ask them, did you, did you really believe it? They'll tell you, like, not really. I'm trying though. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can I can do a technique where I can get in and we can install a feeling into that, uh, that mantra. When they say it the second time around, it comes across completely different. So they'll, they'll, they'll say it the first time, I'm, I'm good enough. And uh, you can tell with the body language whether they really mean it or not. You can actually tell with a muscle test, a kinesiology muscle test, 
if the if the saying is true or not true. It, when you install it with the feeling, the second time they say it around the, the, around the second time, it comes across completely different. Like they mean it, and yeah. they can't even believe that they've said it themselves the, the second time around. Where they really mean it, you know. So um, just saying something or reading something, it still counts and it's still moving in the right direction. But there is a way of accelerating it, and it would be great if people could understand how to do this stuff. I can only work with one person at a time. I like working here one to one with people because I can go direct at the problem and I can calibrate with the person and I can test it and I can meet them where they are and take them where they want to be and I can see the change and they can feel it you know I can only do that one at a time it's it's not it's not possible to calibrate with a lot of pe- different people at the same time and um, I, I don't like telling loads of people that I can do something but they won't be able to do it because they can't work with me mm. you know yeah. and there, there's all I do still different modalities of working at the deeper levels of the mind there's lots of people out there that are doing stuff working at the deeper level of the mind the emotional level where the problem was created not the logical level so the logical level is not where the problem was created the problems were created emotionally and you have to uh, you have to challenge them emotionally what if you're like a if you're like a naturally sensitive person and, and things just get you down are you almost going into someone's mind and re recalibrating their brain and also kind of moving furniture around a little bit kind of moving them to like obviously be sensitive but obviously you understand that you know no, you can't. You can't live life being overly sensitive to everything, because otherwise you're going to be a mess. You know. Yeah. Every everybody's got a, a, an idea of how they want to be different, and I don't mm. do what I think needs to be done. I I ask them, how do you want to be different? And in in, in such a subtle way that <clears throat> you'll know you've changed, but it's not going to be too debilitating to your personality because you don't want to you don't want to overload somebody where their personality changes because other people might not get might might not be used to that and it won't be fair in other people so it's changing in a, in a way and it is possible to completely shift somebody's belief about something like i i i worked with a lot of narcissists over the years and um there was a particular time where i had other people's beliefs installed where people would say people that i trained would say oh you can't work with a narcissist you know they don't want to change and you're not going to bought into these ideas that you can't work with your family because they don't see it as what you do i've worked with all my family because i didn't buy into that belief i changed the belief and I created a new one so the, the narcissist were actually easy to work with believe it or not after a while I figured out by mistake when I was working with someone that a narcissist is just stuck in their own point of view and they've never really had the opportunity to experience somebody else's point of view and when you do what happens is that their their values change and all of a sudden like they're coming back and saying people just want to be around me I don't understand it it's like they, they don't they, they can't it's it's a big shift for somebody to to do that now it's an ethical and comfortable shift and it's within the best interest of everybody for the narcissist to not be a narcissist but other people around them still don't trust them sometimes it's like yeah you're saying that you're gonna be you're, you've changed but you know like you've said that before and, and I don't believe you you know, so if you do it in a more ethical, comfortable and subtle way, then the other people around might not even notice that they've changed by the time they figure it out, you know. And you have to kind of, you can you can actually change. If someone is is sensitive about what other people think and is caught up, caught up in worrying, see, I'm not worried about what, what, uh, what they're thinking about you. I'd be more concerned that you're thinking about what they're thinking about while your own life passes by because you're not going to look back in your life and go, I wish I could go back and think more about what other people are thinking about, you know? Yeah. You're not, you're not going to do that. And that's called perspective. And by the time you're looking back, most of those people will have passed away and moved away from stress-related diseases. Like, <laughs> yeah. And you're not going to wish you could go back. And what you would really do is you'd probably wish you could go back and help them out a little bit because you'll realize that they've been through their own little life experiences. And it wasn't personal and it wasn't about you or who you were. And if you if you can see people like that now, instead of waiting till you get old, and I do that, I bring people outside the bigger picture 
And I actually do get them to see it from that point of view. Like you're old and it's a wake up call. It's like, holy shit, I, I'm not, I wouldn't, I'd go back and I'd just pay attention to my family and the simple things in life. Like, what yeah. about all these other things that are there? Oh, they don't matter. Are you sure? Absolutely. But they never get to see that perspective. They're, they know logically about it. But when you have an experience and you feel it, it's different. It's a different game altogether. Like it's not, it's not at the logical level anymore because it's the, the unconscious mind wants to put things into perspective, but the person themselves doesn't logically know how to do that. And um, I know how to bring them into the experience of being able to look back on their life now as if it was a second chance and um, thinking if only you knew then what you know now. And, and, and at that moment when the person's doing that, it's a, it's a surreal experience because it just puts everything into perspective. Yeah. And they stop worrying about simple th- the simple things. They start focusing on the simple things that are important. And when someone's caught up in their own head, the only time they get to put things into perspective where that frame opens up and you see the whole world as it is without words and without judgment and try mm. and explain what all of life is, that's when they get old and the, and the nurse walks in and says, you better get your affairs in order. And then they just, I've seen it so many times with people when they were dying, lucky enough to get to work with people that were dying. And they don't have any words. If you ask them, all overall, was your life good? Overall, it was great. But if you ask them at the wrong time before that moment, they'll say, ah, fucking life is shit. It's like fucking stress, bullshit. But when, when they let go of those, just those things, they start to include more things that weren't included when they were in the mood. So a mood is a yeah. filter and a mood is going to distort your reality. And reality is organized depending on what mood you're in. But you're not looking at reality then, you're looking through filters you have to put yourself into that neutral state in order to be able to see all the evidence. It's safer. But people think that if they have a judgment on somebody else or if they're pointing at other people's faults or, or, or they're feeling angry about something, that somehow they're safer, but they're not really safe because that mood is going to distort information that could add value to your decision-making. And then when the mood goes away later on, you go, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I should have just kept my mouth shut. Yeah. And that's when oh. the mood drops off and, and the window opens up. We've all been there, right? Yes. And, um, if if you can if you can have an experience of doing that on purpose, you'd be like, holy shit, this is this is. Unbe- I think I can do this myself. Even me explaining it like this will get you to consider that there's there's things that you'll probably notice even later on after talking to me that you're thinking about that you probably wouldn't have thought about before because I'm I'm creating plausibility, and the mind processes plausibility. It doesn't it doesn't think about facts. It thinks about what's plausible. And if you if if I'm talking to somebody on the phone. Uh, like I was talking to a teenager yesterday and she's just like my mother put her on the phone to me and she says I'm just fed up I'm tired I'm, I'm just sick of it I just feel no hope they've no clear picture of their future because Leo Radker and Tony Hulahan is in there going we're all going to die in the future it's going to be terrible lockdowns lockdowns mm. they've got this bleak horrible outlook on the future and there's no clear picture of how they want to be all they can think about is how they don't want to be and the mind is processing yeah. that plausibility it's not the truth it's just a construction and what I do is I hear on the phone and she's saying oh, I feel like you know terrible I feel like there's no hope I have to create a clear picture and I do it through conversation with hypnosis I'm talking for about 20 minutes on the phone I'm basically telling her everything's going to be okay and I'm certain about it I'm not messing around I'm, I wouldn't tell somebody this unless I was really sure because it's not something you should mess around with if you, if you don't really if you can't back it up I'm saying it's going to be okay I'm going to take care I'm going to show you how to change your feed yourself wherever you're worried about whether it's yourself I'll get you to look at yourself and let go of all the things you don't like. I'll change that negative interpretation that you have of the world inside of you because that's not the world. That's your negative interpretation of the world that you have inside of you. If we get rid of that, then every possibility exists. I'm going to get you to be able to thrive through uncertainty. I'm going to I'm going to help you to connect with what your purpose is. And I'm going to show you how that you're going to have an advantage in the future over other people because you're going to be able to see the bigger picture. And I guarantee you when I talk to her, uh, 
uh, Monday, she's going to go, actually, I was fine after I talked to her on the phone because yeah. she has a plausibility that wasn't there before. But if she had called a, a counsellor or a therapist, they go, oh, geez, I don't know. You know, we have to get you diagnosed first and then maybe six months. We'll see what we can do. And there's, there's, there's no hope. See what we can do. And, and the kid will be like, Jesus Christ, is anybody going to help me? And they're creating an, a, a future unclear outcome. And yeah, none, the, of them are, none of them are real. Yeah, well, what counselling is different because like what I found, you have to do the work and you have to really work because I, I remember doing one and I remember the counselor said to me, pointed in the fact that I didn't do the work. And she's right, because if you don't do the work, you're not there. You're not giving up your time to just dilly dally and just say, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You have to do the work because if you don't do the work, you're not going to get any, you're not going to learn any lessons. Yeah, let, can, let me yeah. just say something about that. Can I say something about that? Go, go. Um, and this might help actually, right? Mm. We, years ago when we were started up here, we we were, we um, we had uh, bumped into a couple of life coaches and they were like, geez, you know what? Why don't you do, do this thing? Meet, we'll meet up and we'll, we'll, um, we'll have a chat with you and we'll, we'll plan the future. Right. So we were like, yes, look, we'll give it a try, see what happens. So they came in here. The guy got a roll of paper and he rolled it around the wall and he says, you're here. Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Where do you want to be in 15 years? Where do I see in 20 years? In that moment, I started to feel stressed and overwhelmed. Because it's it's one, it, it's overwhelmed. And the second thing is there's there's a lot of things about certainty and uncertainty that people need to address is that people think they need more certainty in their life and they're trying to create more certainty. What they really need is a little bit more uncertainty. If you change the word uncertainty to possibility, the experience changes. I don't want to know what the future is going to be because that takes too much of the novelty and adventure out of it for me. Yeah. I'd rather just go, I'd rather change how I feel now and go in that general direction. And if things change along the way, I want to have the ability to be able to change how I feel and, and mm. go somewhere else. But it seems like these things are set in stone. So They've done all this thing out and then they said, okay, here's what we want you to do. And we're going to hold you accountable and you're going to hold yourself accountable. And you're going to go off and you're going to do this. Now, are you going to do it? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Now shake on it. Yeah, shake hands. Mm. The other guy that was here with me, the same thing. Same thing to him. He said, are you going to do this? Now we're going to hold you accountable. You have to do this. If you don't do it, you know, it's not going to work out and it'll all be a waste of time. And he's like, ah, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to do it? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of coaching. Here's what I do. If, if you do this, if, if, if you figure this out how to do this your, yourself, um, and, and everybody can, I say to somebody, um, so what do you want to do? I want to, you know, write a book. Say they want to write a book. Okay, how do you feel about that? Stressed out, overwhelmed. I feel like I'm not good enough, blah, blah, blah. And they'll tell you all of the uncomfortable feelings that they have. If you say to them in that moment, well, they're feeling bad and get them to think about doing it, what they're thinking about and what they're feeling is wearing together. So what you what I would do would be I would find out what the what the triggers were, and then I go away from it and I create a whole new experience and I get them into the feeling as if they'd already done it and they're on the other side of it and they realise that they've made the changes, they took action, and they're in the future looking back and knowing how far they've come to get to this point. What it would feel like knowing that you did the right thing, and if you, as soon as they start talking about it, you're like, oh my god, it'd be amazing. And where would you feel it? And you kind of calibrate, you kind of elicitate, you're eliciting a state, right? It doesn't matter if it's real or not real. It doesn't, it doesn't, the mind works off plausibility. And while the nervous system's lit up with this positive experience, then you bring them back to the trigger and you say to them, so how do you feel now? I feel excited. I feel motivated. I feel confident. And as you're feeling confident, motivated, and excited, think about doing that. How do you feel? I, I feel great. Are you going to do it? Absolutely. I'm ready to go. Let me out of here. Yeah. And as soon as you put the feeling onto the, 
onto the onto the trigger. Whatever the trigger was becomes the trigger for the new experience. But if, if somebody's feeling stressed and they're feeling under under duress and they feel like they have to do something, it would be much better if you if you attached wanting to do it instead of having to do it, you know, because it starts to colour the whole thing and it gets its own momentum and it becomes it becomes the metaphor for life then, you know. Yeah. I do things because I have to get them done. And that works. It's it's the move away from energy. It's like, if I don't do it, I'll fail. If I don't do it, then I won't be able to get this. It's it's the wrong energy. It works. Now, it does work because there's people that use stress to motivate themselves and it works. But if there was another choice and you could use the like excitement and confidence and motivation to drive yourself in that direction, you get to be right too. So sometimes when you're doing that, you can feel guilty for not doing the things that you were supposed to do. And then you're like, you're terrified to go back because you you know you didn't really do it and you'll yeah. feel like a failure. And it's just like, and it's like, well, look, if you don't do this, you know, I'm going to make you feel worse. If you don't do it, I can't help you. Mm. And it's your, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to give you response. You need to take responsibility for your own life. I yes. can't do that for you. And it's like, oh my God, will you just stop, leave me alone? So I would never do that. I would, I would change how the person feels about everything that was said there. Yeah. I would even change the word responsibility. So the next time that you said it, it felt like a resource, not a, not a, not a disability, you know, not a, not a burden. Yeah, there's an element there as well. I know I can see what you're saying, uh, but you're, you're changing perspectives because you're changing perspective of the mind, because if you give them a positive perspective or actually bring them to the end of the, the line not to have them to start stressing going what what's what's the road ahead like bring them bring them to that point have them that headspace and then they're like in a good place but i don't think i've ever changed i've, I've only started realizing this now i've never changed my personality but i've changed my perspective over the years and i've changed for good and for bad like negative negative perspective because has put me in a bit of a, a hole but i've got i've gotten into more mm. of a positive perspective and also stayed more present i don't know if i'm, I'm really ever always present but sometimes I'm, I'm quite present and it's hard it's hard to stay present because you're all, there's so much things going on in your mind but yeah no i do agree with you're saying there because yeah you do feel responsible and you do feel a bit like a, a naughty child going back if you don't have your yeah. homework done you know what i mean so yeah i do see a little bit of that yeah yeah so it's it's like people think you have to do something in order to feel a particular way it's like if you do this then you can feel this uh. and 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 there's there's uh there's coaches out there that fill seminars full of these people that like the top three things that you can do in order to have a really good quality life mm. and if this works out for you we've got this other course that has the four top things that you can do to be even happier and if you do these things you will be happy so it's almost like you have to do something in order to have something that you want so do something you don't like doing in order to do something to, to get to, to to get the feeling that you want yeah. like eat your dinner and then you can have dessert you know if this then this uh, clean your room and then you can play so there's all of these kind of things where people think they have to do something uh, in order to feel feel a particular way but it's more important to feel that way first and then do because it's not the thing outside but we've been sold the idea that if you have this cup then you can feel happy and then it's not that anymore then it's these these airpods if you get these airpods then you can feel happy but not until then <clears throat> then the kid goes into the career guidance officer and the career guidance officer says what do you want to be in the future i want to i want to be a doctor and and how long will that take she's take like about seven or eight years if i really put the work in okay and how how will you feel when you when you when you become a doctor it's like i feel like a sense of achievement and confident yeah. i feel proud of myself okay that's going to be in eight, eight years' time, but not now. Go back to class and practice being unhappy for eight years, and let's see how good you are going to be, be at being happy when you get there. And then when they get the qualification, then someone comes along and goes, no, it's not here. You need to get a house. Then yeah. you can be happy. 
And then it's like, no, you need to get married and then you can be happy. And then it's like, no, you need to have kids and then you'll be happy. And then it's like, you need to retire and then you can be happy. And then people are looking back on, man, if only I knew then what I know now. I believe that if you learn, if you practice feeling good now and you put that energy into what you do, you're going to be really good at feeling uh, positive when you get to the to the destination, and the destination is always going to be now. That's that's what it is. It's like your your deter- your your feelings are determined by your thoughts and your actions and your results, and this is directly related to your quality of life in the future. So it uh, it's it's counter it's ca- a contradiction to what we were taught, and I don't I don't care because what we were taught doesn't work as well as this, and this works for everybody. It's not like does it work for some people? Does it work for other people? We all want the same thing. I want to have a happy fulfilled life. Yeah. and I want to help other people feel happy and you want the same thing that's why you're doing these podcasts as much yeah. as you want to help people you want to help people to understand when someone gives you feedback and say you know what Shane I love your podcast they're actually brilliant I look for them you yeah. feel good because you made that person feel good absolutely yeah yeah yeah. I that's am, our purpose yeah. absolutely yeah that's, that's exactly our purpose it. yeah yeah it's true I mean I'm a I, I, and I got also I've learned I'm a, I'm a, a big people pleaser I've, I'm getting I'm moving away from that I'm not always pleasing people I'm trying to please myself because you can oh you can you yeah. can burn the candle at both ends sort of thing and you can kind of overstress yourself for people who probably wouldn't do it's consuming especially yeah. when um so what i what i do what i do and i do this with everybody is i think it's really important so let's say you've got your own point of view yes and you're looking at your world from your own point of view if you stay in your own point of view it can be very counterproductive on growth um because there's a certain amount of information that you're missing so you could if you stay there you can become very selfish and you become a narcissist and nobody wants to be that but some people are, are kind of forced to be in that position, you know, because they've been hurt so many times. Yeah. Then you've got the other person, which was me. The other person never thinks of their own point of view. They always think about what the other person wants. Technically, they leave their body, they flow over into the other person, and they think more about what they want. And they think if that person is happy, that somehow it will make me happy. So they keep doing what other people want them to do. So if, if you're, a, it's called a codependency. So a codependent would be <clears throat> like if, if I was in a room full of people, like a, a lot of them were saying, yeah, we're going to get pizza or Chinese. Uh, what do you, what do you want, Paul? I'd be like, well, what are you getting? Well, we're all into like getting pizza. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, whatever, whatever you're going, I'll just go with it. I'll just go with whatever you're doing. But in my head, I'd be going, I don't like pizza. I'd rather get Chinese. But I'd just go what everybody else wants. And it became very counterproductive from, from my life because I, I became unfulfilled and I felt like I wasn't, you know, ever doing anything that I really wanted to do. And I was I didn't want to do anything I wanted to do because I felt I was selfish. Because you're always thinking mm. about yourself, right? You selfish bastard. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. always thinking about yourself. So if you get stuck in the codependent point of view, which is always thinking about what other people want, <clears throat> it can be very counterproductive on your growth too. So what I do is I, I, I mostly I bring people through this experience of having in a, a purposeful experience of doing like what Gregory Bateson had a great saying. He said, you can never really know anything unless you're willing to experience it from at least two other points of view other than your own which means seeing it from your point of view and then kind of going over and taking into consideration what the other person wants, floating up and seeing the bigger picture, which is position number three. So position number one is your point of view. Position number two is the other person's point of view, what they want. Position number three is above it all, looking down at the both of you and seeing that if you keep doing what you're doing, it ends a particular way. It's not that hard to to figure out if if you act a particular way, how it's going to end. You know, you can predict the future now just by watching what your behaviors are now. Because that's how it ends in the future, you know? Yeah. So you can kind of get a sense that you can look down at yourself and see the bigger picture and see the possible outcomes. And you're not doing this purposely. I do it purposely just to give the unconscious mind the gist of it. And then 
floating back down into your own point of view and taking in all points of view, just another point of view and being able to kind of get a balance that's within the best interest of everybody, not just you or not just them, but kind of an equal kind of thing and not feeling guilty about making the decision, you know, because you can see that it's within the best interest of everybody and you're not being selfish and you're not kind of caught in the other person's point of view. That's a very difficult thing for people to do. I do see people, depending on what mood they're in, will depend on what point of view they're stuck in you know and if it's scattered and random and you don't feel like you're in control of it then you're not in control of it but if you if you if uh, like i can actually do it myself in a split second i can see the bigger picture i can i can take my own point of view and i can take the other person's point of view and i'm I'm not even thinking about it consciously in most cases but i can do it consciously if i want but if you do it a few times then your mind just takes it in as that's just the way you look at things you know so a lot of people do get stuck and they don't know that they're stuck now we're talking about like um you know, you're talking about because like that kind of debate, like counseling versus mind coaching. But like you're saying, like like in counseling, you are responsible for your actions, so you gotta kind of show some progression, or you yeah. hopefully <clears throat> some progression. But for yourself, with, you, with your clients, for example, how do you make them responsible but not feel like they have to be responsible? Like it, like you change them, you you change their perspective and mindset <clears throat> of what, what what they're trying to achieve. Well, how do you kind of is, is yeah. it the way you 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 temper the message to them like the way you speak to them how yeah so them i feel? i reframe i yeah i change the meaning behind it see the meta model in in, in nlp is that meta model means uh, the meaning behind the meaning you know it's above mm. la- it's it's above meta means above and anything that's below that so if you ask somebody when they say something what do you mean by that if you keep challenging it eventually they're going to come to a point where they can't answer the question they've no they've nothing to back it up so everybody has um like for instance if that was a problem let's do it now actually and you said like uh, responsibility if i said to you shane look here's the deal i you, you have to take responsibility for your own life like how old are you now me 37 yeah i do yeah. I, i'm getting i, I am I, you're, you're, you're turning the mirror back on me but i need the mirror go yeah. go hit me so you, you need to take responsibility for yourself you're 37 Absolutely. and you should know better by now because like it's it's you're not a kid anymore and no. you have to so yeah. what's that? What does that feel like? It feels like you're scolding me like I'm a child. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So when you grew up, you had a trigger and the word was responsibility. It was a word. Words are triggers for experiences. You yeah. have you can say a word to somebody and it will trigger off an experience like that. And another person will have a different experience with the same word. Yeah. So responsibility. When you've done something wrong, that word was pulled out of the bag. It was. And now the bad feeling that you had in that moment is now wired into the word. So the word becomes the trigger for the experience. So responsibility is two words. It's response and ability. So let me say it like this, Shane, and we will do this, right? We'll do this for just for science. Yeah. We'll, I'll work with you, right? You can yeah. come to me and we'll, we'll work together so you can have a really kind of uh, a gist of what's going on. But let's say if you come to me, right? By the time you walk out that door or even after this and you look back on this new beginning and it could be this one or the one that we're talking about either way is good, right? Mm-hmm. You look back in this new beginning and you've changed. And you have the ability to respond to no matter what challenge comes up, that you can let go of that feeling in a second. And also you can establish a really positive internal experience and put that feeling, that positive experience, that positive experience that you're having inside of you, put that into everything that you do so that you're not only enjoying it, but your mind is remembering that you're enjoying it. So it wakes, it wakes you up in the morning to remind you that you enjoy what you do. So you can you have the ability to change how you feel, which means really let go i'm not just talking about like just let like the words i'm talking about like in a second to be able to change how you feel and then elicitate a positive experience and be fully present and available to the point where you can't not be present 
would you like to have those abilities to be able to respond to no matter what happens in your life? Yeah, absolutely, yes. I mean, there's a lot of times. So would you like to have the ability to respond, the response abilities? Would you like to have more of them? More responsibilities? Somewhat, yeah. But I mean, I'm just talking about yeah. like, I, I'd want to, I, I want to be responsible for my own actions. And I, I am, I, yeah. I'm, I'm mindful of that fact, yeah, and, for sure. And again, response responsibility is means your ability to respond so if i go out there and i say to somebody do you want more responsibility they'll go no i don't i can't so what they're really telling me is is they don't want to have the ability to respond but if you had the abilities to respond to any situation how would you feel knowing that you have these new abilities to respond the responsibilities i'd like that yeah because of course i you, 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, would would you like to know more of those responsibilities? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good. One. So, so, yeah. so, what happens is, is that when you think about responsibility now, what's happening? I'm thinking that it's I I don't fear it. I think I'm yeah. responding as in it's a positive kind of um way of, of saying it. Yeah, and I don't have to yeah. I don't have to get an answer off you. So I could say the word to you responsibility. So when I said it the first time, I could feel you like shriveling up like a slow but salt. <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah. the next time around when I say responsibility, it kind of it kind of looks like this. So if if you went to council the next time and the councillor says, uh, you know, you need responsibility, your unconscious processing on your nervous system will be completely different than what it was the other, the, the first time. So mm. already you're starting to change your automatic responses. So you pull that word up, responsibility, and you see what the triggers are, like what's the nervous system doing with it. Remember, everything that you pull up to the conscious awareness is looking for an update, but it's not looking for an update off me. It's not looking for an update off a counselor. It's not looking for an update off a book. It's looking for an update off your nervous system to see how you feel about it. And it's always coming up and going, how do you feel? And if you're still in the old way, it gets updated and goes back in. If you're feeling guilt, that will go into it. Yeah. And if somebody gives you empathy and compassion, that goes in and that's not good because you don't want to be having pity parties about your problems. No. All of that stuff goes in and then automatically you feel like you need to talk to somebody about your problem in order to get empathy. And they'll tell you like they're not in the humor and then you go, well, I'm going back to my counselor because she listens. <laughs> and you <laughs> yeah, go back and get true. more empathy. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Bags so, of it. Yeah. So, so it's a state elicit, state elicitation. I elicitate the state, and then I get you to think about the word. And now the new feeling goes into the into the word, and the word becomes a trigger for the new feeling. It can never be processed the same way again. You can't unknow it. It just puts more choices in where your where your nervous system is. When when someone says responsibility, it's not going to be a tightness. The filters aren't going to come on, and you're not going to feel like it's a threat. It'll feel different because you're going. I'm I'm saying this to you because I'm because we're going. It's up to you. Oh, you can come if you want, but I'm going to show you the abilities oh. to be able to respond, right? And the fact that you're aware that there is abilities will make you anticipate good things happening, which means now you're thinking about the future and you're anticipating it in a good way, and you're looking forward to not knowing what they are. Which, if you can finish this podcast yourself, looking forward to not knowing. You'll probably will be one of the few people where you live that are looking forward to not knowing because it's uncertainty is possibility. And if you change the word uncertainty to possibility and you, you inject a little bit of that into your life, now you now you'd be like a kid, you know. You'd be kind of look someone says you don't look in that cave, you'd be like, What cave? I know you, you'd be <laughs> over there like a light. Ah <laughs> uh, no, I've done it before. I I, I uh, no, I I think I've entered a stage where I should. I want more that responsibility but also as well i want to show that growth as well because i mean i've done all that kind of silly stuff when i was younger but yeah you're right it, it, yeah. it is it, it, I, I do like the way you said those words and I, it really kind of made me not fear it you know or versus yeah 
Dash will be in And this is what about everything that comes up, mm. <clears throat> everything that comes up in a session with somebody, everybody's going to bring up something different. And I'm looking for how I can change the meaning behind whatever they're giving me and the, and the feeling to how they want to feel. It's not like I'm tricking anybody or I'm giving a coping mechanism. It's not about coping or managing. And therapy seems to be like, let me show you how to cope with that problem. I'm like, let me show you how to change how you feel about it so it doesn't show up in your life anymore. And if it does, it'll just pass by like, and it won't, it won't mean anything and you can just put your attention somewhere else but still know that you've got choices available you can feel bad if you want or not but when you have a choice it's easy to make the one it's easy to make the right one about not feeling most people don't have a choice and I create more choices in the nervous system which means less excuses to feel bad or less reasons to feel bad changing people's truth because the truth is not a fixed point like someone might say yeah but Paul I have this truth and this is true for me but I know that it's not a fact it's just a, a, it's a process the mind is processing information and it's um, I'm changing their interpretation of their perception of the problem. And it's not important that they know consciously. It's more important that they know unconsciously. So I'm changing what's happening in the background here. And they might think it's the truth. But how often did you believe something was true? Then you had a complete different experience. And now all of a sudden it's not true anymore. Yeah, you know, like you can have yeah. a friend and you believe they're your friend and, they're, and it's true. And if someone says, yeah, is this your friend? And you'd be like, yeah. I don't trust them. I know they wouldn't do that on me. If you get an experience of them doing something on you and somebody checks in with you even a minute after that or a week or a year and they ask you what your belief is about them now, you'd say, I believe they're not my friends. But I thought you used to believe that they were your friend. Wasn't that the truth before? Yeah, it was. But the truth is is open up to interpretation. And I got a new load of information in on top of that truth and it expanded my interpretation of it and now how my mind assembles it is completely different you know so everybody's sometimes are threatened by being wrong and they they feel like uh it's they get hostile and dismissive about like their truth because you were punished for being wrong in school like you didn't get a gold star for being wrong you got like bail and you were made feel bad about not knowing things and then that kind of conditions in where you feel like you need to know. And, and when you don't know, it feels uncomfortable. And when you do know, it feels good. When someone has collected evidence of why they believe what is true, if they've collected evidence of, of an experience and they believe it's the truth, they will always come up with more reasons why it is. And uh, it can defy all logic. Like it's, it can become a hierarchy over reality even. It's like the, the, the story about the, this is like the hierarchy of uh, when someone's caught in a, in a, in a truth. like. They believe something is true and no matter what you tell them, they just don't don't listen. They don't. If it doesn't fit in that bucket in their mind. They don't want to know. Yeah. Because they feel threatened if you try and go near it. You know, they're going to get away from my truth. You're not going to tell me after all these years I'm wrong about this. <laughs> so it's like the, the guy, it's a story. It's about a guy. He used to believe he was a corpse, you know, and everybody tried to tell him, you're not a corpse. He says, I'm a corpse. His family tried. His friends tried. Years to try. This guy just outright would tell you he's a corpse. And one of his brothers came along from one day and he says look I know how we resolve we can resolve this because it's causing trouble in the family like everybody's pissed off now we need to resolve this I know a doctor and if you go to him he'll be able to tell you because he said that corpses don't bleed and he'll make an incision on your hand and he'll cut you open and he'll numb the area and that's how we will be able to tell because corpses don't bleed and he says okay fair enough I'll go along and he goes along and the doctor numbs his hand makes a little incision and sure enough blood starts streaming out of his hand <laughs> And the guy, the guy turned around and said, well, I'll be damned. Corpses do bleed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sometimes beliefs can be a hierarchy over reality and people will stand by them and protect them at all costs. Mm. And if you, if you try and, and, and tell them it's any way different, they're so caught up in the idea that their belief is a fixed point, but it's not a fixed point. Everybody's going to describe it differently depending on what they know, but it's more defined by what you don't know. So I'm updating 
the belief to align with the outcome that the person wants. So it's not like I'm changing it and making you wrong. It's like how do you believe that that's true that uh, people are bad, and every time you're around them, you feel uncomfortable. That's true. But how would you like to feel different? And I put a new truth in, and I just I just open it up. I put more choices in, and then when the person looks into it again, consciously or unconsciously, it just doesn't run the same way again. It's completely different. That's how the mind learns all the time. It's always doing that automatically. And I just jumped on the bandwagon with the what's the mind doing to cause these problems and use the same solution. You know, it's unconscious. So I had to learn how to put people into trance in a conversation and, and bypass the logic. I had to learn how to put them into a deeper trance if I needed to get like uh, directly at something. Mm. And I needed to figure out how, how do I influence them and change how they feel, you know, in a conversation and then be able to attach that feeling onto the problem. So when I figured out all of this stuff, it just became so easy that people don't believe it, <laughs> you know, that it can be that easy. Yeah, no, I, I'm i getting there. <laughs> you know, no, I, honestly, yeah. I, I, I think, I think, uh, it's definitely something that uh, you've really opened my uh, my mind a little bit to this because I didn't. When I came That's in what it's about. Way, yeah, yeah, because I know because a lot of people that that are doing this kind of stuff. I kind of I'm not I'm not I don't put myself out there. I'm mm. kind of quite happy I, at the beginning when I started doing this. I wanted to be that guy that was on the stage and helping lots of people and getting lots of approval. But what I what I got to the point where I help people to let go of desperately seeking approval. So it comes to a point in your life where you can be like, um, who is that guy, the the, uh, the mind guy? And Paul he wrote McKenna. a book. He'll come to you in a minute. Anyway, he's in a hotel and he's... Roy, he's a mind guy. He's... Let me check. Yeah, and uh, Joe Dispenza. And he's like the guy that, if you want to know neuroscience, this guy is, he's, he's out mm. there. Like he's, he's wrote all these books of how to, how to stop trying to be yourself and stuff like that. He wrote his book. But so in the book... To, yeah, I think that makes sense. Stop trying to be yourself. Sometimes yeah. yourself can <laughs> be... Yeah, trying, because, yeah. yeah, you have to be... And, and here's, yeah. here's again with that, what I do... Here's the basic principles. I help people to find out what their purpose is, right? Really connect with it. Like not just find out that it's to build a motorbike or something or like, you know, learn how to go skiing. It's not that. It's it's bigger than that. And it's a feeling. What the person's purpose is, who are you? You know, really find out who you are so that you know who you're not. So that you can never mistake what other people say you are for who you are. And if you get a person, because most people, when you interview them and studies being done on this, people really kind of, if you ask them, what is your purpose? They kind of glaze over because they don't really know. They mm. think it's to get through the week. <laughs> you know, if I get through the week, Paul, it's great. Like, that's a bonus. And like, that life's more than that. Like, you really need to kind of have a sense that you, you know what your purpose is, but you're not, gonna, you're not getting caught up in the language cesspit of trying to figure out, like, what's it attached to? Because you're going to have to delete a lot of things that are really connected in all of who you are in order to try and put it onto some, bake it into something outside. And um, when people are trying to be themselves, I, I disassociate them from what they do because some people think that what they do is who they are. And also some people think that what they have is what they're worth and their values are based and connected in with like what they have. And they'll check their bank account and they'll see the money in their bank account. And all of a sudden their worth is, is determined that they do because of much their bank account is worth. And some people might even take their own life because they feel like they're not worth anything. They're checking what their house is worth. And some people that have money, they go around with their chest out and they think that what they're worth is who they are. But I think that you're more defined by how you make people feel than, than, than what you have in your bank. But they're so connected in with what they have. They think that what they have is who they are. Yeah, and I, it's, more, it's yeah. important that you don't get caught up in this, you know. And what I do is I get a kind of a, kind of a trance going where it's like, that's all out there. Mm. And then I say, who? And then I kind of say, who are you that's not that? And the person gets confused. Like, like I don't know. Now we're moving towards, you know, non-attachment to, to identifying with a word or a structure or a single thing. You know, you're going back to the to the, the source of like 
when you were a kid, if someone asked you who you were, you had no words for it because you didn't learn language at that stage, you know? Someone could come up and say, you're fat and ugly, and you wouldn't even know what that meant. It's true. <laughs> you wouldn't think that's who you are because you didn't have language at that time. Especially if somebody said it in Chinese, you just definitely wouldn't even know what it meant. Like, so it wouldn't offend you. So you couldn't you couldn't connect with it. So I help people to do that and, and the, the, the pur- your purpose and uh, like, why are you here? and who are you and like some people think that what they do is who they are and they'll call themselves what they do they'll say to me paul i'm anxious and i'm like aren't you aren't you more than that yeah. like when don't you do it and who are you when you don't do it because it's not what you are it's what you do and if, you, if a doctor says you're anxious then that becomes a, a, a label the label becomes the identity and the, the identity becomes a disability and the person will go around and say i'm anxious today or i'm a doctor or i'm a mechanic or i'm i don't see myself as a mind coach I didn't do this before, you know, there's other things that I can still do that it's not, I don't ground like this all the time. Like there's sometimes I act different ways depending on what the circumstances are, but I know how to not act like a mind coach when I'm out with friends, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, because yeah. if you go out with a, a doctor or a celebrity or even a guard, if you go out with a guard, like, uh, one of your mates is a guard and you say on the pub it just feels weird because everybody thinks that what they do is who they are <laughs> just yeah of course even, yeah even, even a celebrity is like yeah that. Like the, if you go out with a celebrity you can see like they feel like everybody is looking at them because of who who they are but they don't even know who they are in that moment because they think that what they do is who they are so they are um, so yeah, right. it's important that they they know who they're not and and um they weren't a celebrity at one stage and they acted differently but as soon as they identify with that then they they call themselves what they do. So there's, there's there's these things like where the basic principles of life that you have to connect with and get that aha moment where it's like who are you now and it's like and you can't that that's when you're really connected with it and it's beyond words. So right. if you don't feel it, you know you won't believe it. So I was telling you this the the story about Joe Dispenza. So he goes into the hotel. He's speaking to seminars all doing seminars all over the world and. Um, He's sitting at the hotel and he's depressed, like he's lonely. He's ringing his family and he's saying, where are you? He's like, oh, we're going to the park now. And he's like, oh, that's great, but I made it. I'm, I'm in a hotel, hurrying uh, up a mate and I'm doing a big seminar. And all of a sudden he's on his own in a hotel, lonely. And he felt depressed and he's, he, he asked himself this question. He said, who's this person that's depressed compared to the big guy, Joe Dispenda, that's on the stage telling everybody how to not be depressed? And he started to question who he was. But what happened was that um, that's a dream but it might not be your dream it might be society's dream that you're living and not yours be careful of your dreams because you might you might not you might be living your one you might be living your family's dreams you might be living society's dreams and a lot of people don't get to live their dream and when you look back in your life and you see the bigger picture you realize that it would be a dream to go back and do the simple things you know and be in that place to be able to choose whether you want to have bigger things or not and not it's not to say that you, you should live a simple life living in a, car, a caravan on a on, you know a little bit of land but it's to, it's to be able to have the choice that you can live in a big house and be happy you can go on holidays and be happy you can stay at home and be happy and you can have a caravan and be happy and not think about what other people are thinking about comfortable in your own skin and live in the home that you're you have here this is your home and when 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 you're warm and fuzzy fuzzy inside the outside world wants to play along no matter where you are so some people think that if i get something outside of me that's going to be my external trigger to influence me to create an internal experience so i'm the external trigger that influences you to go inside and create an internal experience you should be that that guy that's doing that for yourself that's what you want i think that's what you want out of life it's just like i want to be able to go i want to be able to just stay comfortable in my own skin and put that energy into what i do but it seems like that it's it has to be complicated it's quite it's quite simple and then you can still i i still love doing all this stuff i love research and finding out more stuff it's not stressing me out I'm still curious and I'm still f- full of curiosity. 
and your natural state is you are present i don't have to make that up you you your your natural state is curiosity you were born with curiosity and now what happens people is that anytime they feel that curiosity about not knowing they call it anxiety because they think they need to know and everything mm. that's on that lives in uncertainty they're afraid of because uncertainty has become the enemy and in uncertainty lives possibility in uncertainty lives enlightenment new and different and dopamine loves uncertainty it doesn't like the same thing over and over again and people have created too much certainty in their life and they haven't got enough novelty in it so but and they're going looking for more certainty can you tell me what's wrong with me and tell me how to structure my life in a more structured way so that i can have more certainty and i'm like no i'm not doing that yet <laughs> I'll, I'll help you to be able to have a little bit more uncertainty in your life because that's where you grow that's where evolution lives in in uncertainty like Living on an island is great for a while, but after a while, you know, it becomes pretty boring. You have to leave there in order to grow. Yeah. And, and certainty is an island. And what, what, what the people seem to be doing is they're looking for more certainty inside certainty and they go and get more structure. So now they're inside a box on the island thinking that they're safer, but they're like a lion in a cage. They're safe, but they're not living their life. They've no risk. They've no, they've no uh, adventure. And after a while, it's fine for a while. But then after a while, it's like, I'm sick of this safe shit. I want to go out and do something that's going to like be a challenge in, in my life. But as soon as they feel that unfamiliar feeling, it's like, oh my God, anxiety. And the therapist goes, yeah, take these pills, pay your bills, go back to work. Yeah, that's yeah. The, the enemy. Anxiety is the enemy. But it's there to tell you that you're changing. And if you label them this way inside your unconscious mind, that anxiety is is novelty. It changes everything because now you're not avoiding uncertainty. You're thriving through uncertainty instead. The uncertainty or in jobs that were not jobs I was um, familiar with initially, but there was an uncertainty and it was a stress. But once I got through that, I thrived. But it, it takes that leap to actually stick yeah. the course and, and not give up on it you know what i mean yeah and if, if if kids were able to look forward to not knowing going to school and realize that's why they're there then they wouldn't feel bad about not knowing things that's that's where i get them i challenge it and i go why do you go they've got all these unrealistic and irrational kind of out ways of looking at the world they want to get rid of anxiety they want to be happy all the time but this this does be counterproductive and they think they need to feel comfortable going into school but if you feel mm. comfortable going somewhere new and different that means you're not changing no you know so Absolutely. I don't see anybody as a problem. Like I don't see you as the problem. And, and, and I think everybody should kind of take a pinch of salt with this as well and try and take a little bit of this perspective into their own life because it will help how you deal with other people. I don't see anybody's, I don't see the other person as the problem. I see there's me, there's them, and then there's the problem outside. And me and the person can kick the shit out of the problem. Because if I think the person is the problem, then I'm going to have a problem with them. I'm going to fight with them instead of the problem. You know, I always see the problem as separate and, go, and the two of us can work on the problem because nobody wants to have a problem. The person themselves, their heart, their, their deeper level of them just wants to be like us. They want to be happier and they want to feel better and they want to help other people feel better. But they don't have the, the strategy and the circumstances haven't aligned with them being able to do that because they don't know what they need to know. So I allow them not to know and I, I give them permission not to know. And I'm genuinely curious about how they're doing the problem. I see it completely separate and uh, I help them. I help the people to feel better unconsciously to update their beliefs about what's happening outside. And I don't... That's why people feel comfortable with me when I'm working with them because I genuinely don't see them as the problem, no matter how bad it is. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And it's like yeah. they're embarrassed telling me about it. I'm like, that's that's great. I'm genuinely curious. How do how can we kick the shit out of this problem? And if I see it like that and I have a clear picture of them being better in my mind, then I can take them there. But if they don't have a clear picture of them being better in their mind, then we can't move toward it until I clear it up. You know, I have to have a clear static outcome where their mind can just sit right into it. I see them being better. I don't see them having the problem. I do at the beginning. 
but I have to kind of, I have to go, if, I, if you want to help someone feel better, I guess who has to go there first. I have to have it inside of me first, or otherwise I won't be able to lead them into the solution. So um, if you can see everybody that way, and I even see my family that way, I don't see anybody as the problem, even though they're causing problems, I see the problem as separate and I see them and I'm genuinely curious about how they're doing the problem. Yeah. But they're not doing it intentionally. It's it's unconscious. And it, it's easy to get caught up in the blame game and go, look at your faults, you know, look at your faults. And it's almost like the person seems to be doing it on purpose and they don't give a shit about anybody. But I want to know how they do that. How are you not taking into consideration somebody else's point of view? They don't know. Because they'll just tell me straight, I don't have a clue. But when you bring them, when you bring them to the process, all of a sudden they start to feel different. And they go, oh my God, I wish I hadn't known that before. So I can't blame them for, for that. And I think that does help a lot when you're talking to people, if you see a therapist uh, or a counselor, sometimes when they're talking to people, yeah. if the person has a bizarre problem, you can almost see the therapist going, mm. you know, the, the therapist starts to feel uncomfortable and annoyed. <laughs> yeah. But to save space, I guess, um, that's interesting. So like you, uh, you talk about all the work you do. So how can people find out about your work or even work with you in the future? Well, I'm, I'm going to be doing some talks as well uh, soon because everything stopped, as you know, with the lockdown. And I was doing a lot of uh, corporate work before all this started. Mm. And again, I love being in here. I kind of realized that, that my, uh, like Joe Dispenza, I feel better here. I've been able to drive home and see my family and go for a walk with the dog. Not much to ask, but I don't want to be sitting in a hotel hurrying up and waiting. And I could if I wanted. I, yeah. I was working with a, a hotel group and the guy that was down the country and he says to me, you can stay. I've got five people that I want you to work with this weekend. You come down, you got the, the whole place. Uh, we got a room for you there, meeting room that you can use. And we've got a room for you to stay in and just going to get your dinner. I'm like, no, I'm going home. I don't want to stay because I, I, I'd rather be at home. But before, would have I would have been like, they're going to pay for me hotel. I'm going to stay here. I'm living the dream. Like, yeah, it's not travel. my dream, though, you yeah. know. My dream, yeah, my dream is the simple things. And uh, traveling around is, is taking me away from what I truly love if I really look at what I really, really, really would love to do if I was old and I had a second chance to come back. And it wouldn't be to sit on the bleeding airplane hurrying up and waiting in a hotel you know uh, you know yeah. i did it look i made it look at me now <laughs> i am going to be doing a bit more of that stuff and helping a lot more people because i think it's 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 the ethical thing to do and it's the it's the right time people a lot more people need more kind of just this the way i'm talking to you would make people feel better in a room you know they'd be like oh my god i never thought of it like that and if that can help so I am going to be doing more stuff since the lockdown is off. On my web, you can go to my website and it's mindhealthcoach.ie. And I put a page up there for you as well. I put a page for your guests uh, up there and it's it's called the podcast page. I think if you go to the drop down menu. Yeah. And the password to get in there is Shane. Nice. Lovely. Right. Drop, drop it in and there, if you go so. in there, there's going to be, uh, there's a lot, load of stuff in there that you can actually use that will help you just to change how you feel. And it's very interesting stuff. There's a, there's a, there's a technique there called peripheral vision. And peripheral vision is kind of what you were looking for at the beginning. Yeah. If you train yourself to get into peripheral vision, it's what um, the Navy SEALs are trained to get into it. Race car drivers, pilots, peripheral vision. You cannot feel anxious when you're in peripheral vision. If somebody's having a panic attack and you learn how to do this technique yourself, I can get somebody out of a panic attack in a minute just by doing this technique. And it's called relaxed awareness, peripheral vision. And I talk you through it a few times. So I'm getting you to kind of follow all the steps and to do the technique and your whole nervous system just completely zones out. And here's, here's a little tip that I'll give you about that, that, that I do in here that you can do when you've really gone through the technique, the peripheral vision protocol, and you're feeling completely like just chilled out. You will, 
like you'll see things in the room moving even when you're you're you're, you're so focused on with this thing it expands your awareness right so it makes you fully present and aware of everything without focusing just on one thing while you're feeling chilled out think about your problems and your mind get your mind updates the problem with the new feeling so while you're completely chilled out and your your whole nervous system's at peace just bring up something that used to bother you and think about it and that new feeling gets mapped across and it goes back in and it neutralizes it a bit takes the wind out of it and it takes the power out of it the, the funny thing about it is that it might not seem like something is happening because it becomes unconscious that you're not thinking about it anymore i would have to remind you and go do you know that problem that you're thinking about you thinking about while you were doing the technique and be like oh yeah i forgot about that mm. actually i never even thought of it i didn't know if it worked or not but i haven't been thinking about it in two weeks that's weird. Mm. There's there's that in there. There's um there's just a couple of explainer videos that I have in there. There's one there called um the release technique. Listen, if people can listen to that before they go to bed, you'll be, you'll be asleep within the first few minutes to listen to it. It shows you how to let go. You don't have to know how to use it. You don't have to even believe in it. I just talk you through a whole process of just letting go of everything to let go of that process of wanting to figure things out, trying to know what to do, wanting to know why you can't sleep so you can sleep. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's letting it letting it go. So there's a, there's the release technique in there, and there's a couple of explainer videos. There's the there's that relaxed awareness one, which is brilliant. And there's a lot of like work went into making that. It's got um eight D sound in it, and it has uh alpha brainwave frequency humming in the background. It's got this kind of heart breathing technique that's connected in with it, and it's just there's there's a set of instructions that's on an audio before us. So you listen to the instructions, and it explains why you're doing each step and what it is and how it works, and then you just go and do it, and it's a half an hour long, but you don't have to do it. If you do it for one minute, you're going to feel better. And it's like an Italian friend of mine, Francesco, said when I was down uh, having dinner in his, uh, we went away on holidays there or down the country and he was making dinner for us all. And he said uh, he was making pasta with fish in it and I don't like fish. So he took the fish out and he says, I'm sorry. He says, but eat my friend and stop only when you've had enough. And I was like, I think that's a metaphor for life. Yeah. So if you're listening to the technique, you don't have to force yourself to do all of it. Stop when you've had enough. Go through them all and listen to them all and think, actually, I like this one and see which one kind of fits you. And listen to one for a minute, listen to it for 30 minutes, listen to it for 20 minutes. Either way is good. You know, so it's there for people to be able to just go in there and just kind of have something that they can use that will make an impact. Like it's, it's stuff that uh, I wish I had that one technique the peripheral vision protocol if i had had that then i could have kind of solved uh, every problem so i do it when i'm in the car yeah. like in the car park i'll just sit in the car and i'll do the technique you'll you'll sit you'll you'll also you'll suss it out when you hear it like when you're listening to you be like oh my god this is great yeah. and the feedback that i get off that is like any time people are stressed out they just they, you can do it nobody knows you're doing it and it's something that you can use in an interview where it will, it will get you to be able to be really aware of everything mm. but not listening to anything yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's you know so this the, the way I talk is, is is a different way and I'm trained and I can't help it now but put people into a conversational trance. So you probably felt like this interview just kind of went really quickly. Yeah, an hour plus. Yeah. So it's, it's time distortion. It's where you lose track of time but yeah. on purpose. I do it on purpose. So if you look at, if I'm looking at you, if I was to give a demonstration of somebody that's in trance, it's there, I would say, look, look at Shane, like you look at his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like so, <laughs> So it is, it's a weird, it's a, it's a kind of a daisy daydream kind of, that's called a heightened state of suggestibility where the unconscious mind is learning. And you're, you're trying to track what I'm saying. You're trying to kind of pick out, that sounds interesting. I must remember that. But it's not important that you remember it consciously. It's more important that your unconscious mind presents it to you only when you need it. So that's the way unconscious processing works. It shows up when you're not expecting it. Like this is going to be the solution, you know, like a problem shows up when you're not expecting it. If you've out of nowhere and the answers can be the same. 
you know, the answers can be as automatic and as unconscious as the problem was. I became more present. I felt like I was aging less. I don't get sick. I've got loads of time. Time doesn't really matter to me anymore. I check my diary to see what other people are doing, but I'm always now. So I'm never in, a, in, in, in that feeling like I need to be there and I'm not thinking about washing the dishes mm. while I'm hoovering. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on what's in the, in the moment. I'm not labeling anything. Just like a curious four-year-old, look for, seeking you notice what's new and different. And a Harvard study proved that um, people that did this particular thing that I'm telling you to do, yeah. notice what's new and different. Uh, Eleanor Langer in Harvard, uh, she wrote a book called Counterclockwise. Fascinating book, one of my favorite books. Okay. Um, Eleanor Langer, it's, a, it's funny when a guy in Cork asked me that name again. Eleanor Langer! <laughs> That's her name. I know it's weird, but... So Eleanor Lang, I call her because it's just, it sounds better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eleanor Lang, she'd done a study with 50-year-old, 80-year-old uh, men, and in five days, they, they, they changed their age markers by 30 years in five days. They, they went in on Zimmer frames, and they came out playing touch football after five days. It was a big study. It was funded by Big Pharma. They weren't too happy about it because all the men were off their medication. These guys, they were they left there with an average age of, of, of uh, 50 years of age. The only task that she gave them was pay attention to what's new and different. And when they'd done that, because the, the study was set up in a way that they were in the 50s, uh, they, they were in the 1950s, the, the village was dressed up like the 1950s. So they couldn't help but pay attention to what's new and different. They were just caught up. And there's lots of science behind it, but the, the study proved that 96% of the Western world couldn't stay present for more than a few seconds. And the technique that helped them was just as simple, and she says this in the thing, see, can you just notice what's new and different, but without labeling it? And if you do that for a minute or two a day, you'll start to establish a, an unconscious process and of staying present. A minute doesn't seem like a long time, but you, you know yourself, before you know it, you're back in your head again. I was thinking at the time, I'm going to do this for longer than a minute. I'm going to do it for an hour. It wasn't yeah. that easy at the beginning. So it doesn't mean new and different things like you know you don't have to go do parachute jumps and bungee jumps new and different ways of looking at the things that you already have you know just stop and taking it in and just checking in with it and without saying anything just be with it open up merry christmas open up the present moment take the smallest next step and just observe without judgment and, and take uh, let things pass without trying to be see if you're labeling something outside i'm sure god is looking down at she's going would you look at those assholes trying to describe things that i made with words <laughs> yeah, yeah the words that you use are just tools that you use to store up feelings they're not the thing itself Mm. They're not the situation. You can never describe another person with words. You can make faulty assumptions and a lot of deletions about what that person is. But God is looking down and she's going, oh my God, there they go again. Trying mm. to describe something that I made. You're undescribable and so are other people. So if you, as best you can, just use words as a tool to communicate and not as, a, not as trying to figure out what something is because everybody's going to challenge you at, at their own level, depending on where they're coming from. So I'm, I'm just trying to say that if you, if you observe without judgment and realize that you can use words if you want to delete and distort reality and you're chunking down something and taking it, uh, taking it apart and excluding a lot of things. So the words are just tools that we use to store feelings. So as best you can, I'd say just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trying to figure things out. Yeah, and that's... just move your attention around and genuinely be curious about like noticing things that you didn't know. You'd be surprised what you can notice in, even in a room or even in your own area where you're going, oh my God, where did that come from? You, you, you said it, you hit the nail on the head. This is exactly what I do the podcast. It's for these conversations. It's for like, yeah. I don't know you and may, maybe, maybe I might take up an offer and do that session with you one of the days. But yeah. I now know you and you've told me enough about you and you've told the listeners about what you do. And the fact that you've actually made this little 
podcast page thing is brilliant. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I, I'll definitely use I wanna, it. I want to, I want to, I want to, I know that everybody's, uh, uh, is, I'm feeling, I'm feeling for the people that are sitting at home and they're worrying and like that kid, she never told anybody that she was feeling that way. It just came out uh, to where she broke down. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like there's people feeling like that, but they're not, they're waiting for breaking point. And mm. if there's something that I can do, there's, there's lots of techniques yeah. that I have on the website and I don't want to kind of confuse people. There's, there's a lots of really, really bizarre stuff that I have there with people that work with me. Okay. And I have to teach, I have to bring them through it in order for them to really get it. Like there's, there's techniques there that you can, it's almost like a secret on steroids. It's really strange technique, but there's a lot of stuff that you have to, um, if you gave it to someone outside, there's certain things that they're missing and people would think that it's, it should be more complicated than that. And it Absolutely. works. It's a, it's freaky. It works every yeah. time. So there's lots of stuff there that, uh, that work really well, like really cool stuff. And even stuff like that I have here in the office that I use that stimulate your mind into uh, uh, like something so simple that, and, and I keep one in front of me here all the time. It just, it switches your mind on. It opens up gamma waves in your brain. And it's so simple that people don't even notice it when they come in until they go, hey, have a look at this. And they're yeah. like, holy shit. And it, it, it stimulates your brain into, ga- into gamma waves. And gamma waves are connected in with um, aha moments and moments of clarity and inspiration. And this is the most simple thing. And I wanted it to be more complicated than that, but it's not. Because I did try the complicated ways and, and they weren't as simple as this thing and you'd be surprised when you see it like it's um but so i have these things here but i i I attach them to something meaningful i don't just go oh have a look at this cool thing isn't that cool yeah oh my god yeah but what how is it going to help me get through me my week and help me be more like creative i'll bake it into something while they're not expecting it you know yeah so um, there's loads of different things that you can do to get yourself to really achieve all the things that you want in your life and get out of your own way bringing it back to the basic principles again getting you to a really good place, then asking what you want and then giving you the tools to be able to get those things that you want. Because a lot of people are doing the secret and they're trying to visualize, but the visualization is just a picture that you use to store feelings and what they're storing up is wrong feelings in most cases. Manifestation, all that kind of thing. Quantum physics. And um, when you see it, you'll like, when you do it and you, and you see something, you'll, 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 you'll be convinced like you have to you have to experience it in order to believe something i i'd say a hundred times out of a hundred these things work we searched high and low for something that worked and it's the simplest thing that you can do to do it. and i understand what's missing out of all the other stuff now because of these these basic things you can you can do you'll you'll see even these things that i put onto that page if you want any more yeah. just let me know like i'm not i'm not gonna hold that back <clears throat> and if anybody Lovely. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> has any questions yeah has any questions we'll back on let's do this again yeah, See, yeah, get definitely. Some and go. Will, you, will you ask Paul to talk about a little bit more about this? That was interesting. Yeah, I I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll actually, because like the thing is going in with this, because I, I, I just like to learn about what you do talk about or want, you know, because I, I, I do sometimes put stuff out and ask about what people talk about. When you're talking about mine, there's a lot of depth. So you could just, we could talk for hours. Yeah, there's you loads. I mean? of, you can go so many different directions yeah. with this. That's what I'm saying. I've got like six, seven, seven people now that are getting into this. Six of them are girls. I'm kind of helping them along in the background. I'm coaching them and just keeping an eye on them, giving them, uh, giving them advice. And they've all gone off in different directions. Like, okay. they're using the same kind of principles of working to the environment, but each one of them is doing something in a different area. Like one's doing a business and the other one's doing it like the past life regression. She's gone into that kind of stuff yeah, she's yeah. just into it the other one's in Canada and she's gone into helping autistic people mm. get, getting into doing the, the deeper levels of the mind with them and she'd be brilliant at that and uh, one of them's a teacher she's learning NLP she's going to be able to help our students like that yeah 
like compared to just telling them what to do, she'd be able to do a lot of different techniques. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. You know, so absolutely. There's, there's so many different directions you can go off of this, whereas business, sports, all of yeah. these kind of things where people might be interested in the mind is all connected with it. I was only listening to this testimonial thing on my page uh, where there's a girl, she's writing back to me a few years ago, and I was an Irish dancing group of kids, and I went over there and they never won anything. They were stressed, they were nervous, they were falling all over the place. I just went over there twice. Once was just a, like an introduction and the second one was like a deeper kind of session I had them all sitting down I had their minds blown got brought into the whole thing and they all came home with world medals wow yeah they won the trophy and yeah. they came home with world medals never happened in, in all of the time that that school was over there in, in Donamid but again, and she sent me a message and goes, yeah. sorry, I hadn't been back to you. But we all came out. And I was talking to the girls and they went in there. They said, we were just chilled. The other girls were thinking, what do you use? Smoke and you are too relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is just the way we roll. The girl yeah. was going, we just, this is just the way we roll. But I had already put the blueprint in their mind that they'd won. So they went in there with a clear outcome. Yeah. And they weren't trying to impress the judges because I shrunk the judges down to a small, to the size of a mouse. Yeah. And they, could, they weren't intimidated by the judges anymore. And, and I got them to yeah. feeling like they won and got them to use that energy to go in with it instead of going in there dancing with stress and tension and fear, yeah. you know? You, yeah, they have the ability to just, just kind of action it and don't let the occasion get you. Well, I, I that's things you know, I always try to work on. But uh, yeah, it is like that. It is. You do let uh, an occasion get in the way of, of your ability, for sure. Yeah. Feelings. Yeah, feelings, <laughs> emotions. Yeah, yeah. They always show up. They always oh, they... show up in another pair of shoes. Oh, they <laughs> do. They do. Yeah. Be yourself. No, I want to be something like myself, but not quite. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you want to be more. Right, Paul. I'm gonna let so, you go. It's been a lovely chat. Perfect. I really appreciate you coming on for the chat, and uh, yeah, maybe sometime we'll do it again. And I'll we'll think about that offer of going and doing a little session with you. And yeah, we'll keep in touch anyway. And yeah, you, do you let do. Me know and we'll, um, and thanks for having me on and being able to reach out to more people. Yeah, no worries, Paul. And uh, yeah, thanks for putting the thing up on your page. I'll definitely. I'll yeah, definitely so the, the password is Shane. Yeah, lovely. Uh, it's you'll see it in the drop down menu. There's a few stuff and there's a lot of stuff there that people can use. All right, Paul. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you very much, Shane. Take it easy, nice right? you. All the best. Right, Take cheers. care. Take Bye-bye. it easy. See it. And that was Paul Campbell. Yes. Again, I just, I, that's, again, he, he hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a reason why I do this podcast, just to get to talk to people who I don't understand about the mind so much and always learning. And he is a mind health coach. He's from Dublin. And he was sound, sound just to learn about, unpack all that information. And I hope you learned something today. He also put a little um, podcast page up on his website i'll put that in the, in the link and you can learn about some techniques and maybe even um work on them in the future hopefully uh, my name is shane this podcast is called heartlines and remember you're always welcome here in heartlines take it easy and bye bye